B'Shem Hashem Naseh V'Natzliach, Shir Torah, Buchim Abayim. We're back here on our Wednesday night. Stumped the Rabbi, we're after some Divrei Torah, some updates. You guys will then ask some questions, and Bezot Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give us the answers. Tonight's you is going to be for the Refua Shlema, for Rabbi Ephraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Sarah Bat Anat, Rabbanit Levana Bat Sarah, Avi Mori David Ben Nesriya, Imi Morati Doris Bat Jora, and all of Am Yisrael and all the righteous Noahides that continue to watch our lectures, learn with us, grow with us, and of course uh, anyone that uh, donates to the organization is very much appreciated. Uh, the uh, website to donate uh, is the uh, bezatashem.org always, or if you want to go to one of the specific campaigns that we have, uh, either to build a building uh, in a community here in Florida, you could go to bhyeshiva.org uh, and uh, or bhyeshiva.com. And also, if you want to uh, do one of the uh, tikkunim for uh, you know for uh, past uh, mistakes and immorality, uh, you can go to tikkunabrit.live, which Bezat Hashem will discuss tonight. So just a couple of uh, brief updates. Of course, we have, uh, are looking forward to our big event next week here in South Florida. Looking forward to seeing uh, so many of you uh, next week. We have uh, some people coming from uh, the uh, community here, but we also have quite a few people coming from all over the place. Uh, some people coming from uh, Texas, New York, uh, Canada. I believe there's even one person coming from Brazil. Uh, and uh, we have people coming from all over the place, uh, different countries, different states, to be part of the uh, exciting event next week. And uh, as anyone that's been at the events uh, in the past knows, uh, the events themselves are exciting. The questions after the event are, uh, are very interesting and exciting. And then certainly the uh, blessing that everybody is, uh, gets after it is uh, usually uh, you know, the, the best part for some people. Uh, so anyone that comes uh, is uh, going to get Bezat Hashem a blessing after the, uh, after the lecture. Uh, and uh, Bezat Hashem, we're looking forward to, uh, to uh, guiding and helping anybody that uh, comes. Uh, aside from that, we uh, just got our copy, Baruch Hashem, today we got our copy of the uh, new edition of the Igeret HaKodesh by our own very dear Rabbi Yaakov Bar Nachman, the 26th generation descendant of the Ramban. Uh, it really came out absolutely beautiful, uh, and he actually uh, he added quite a few things to this edition uh, that uh, was not available in the past. Uh, very useful and, and uh, informative uh, prayers, uh, special prayers that uh, are uh, uh, from the Ramban. Uh, in addition to that, also the famous debate between the Ramban and the uh, leaders of the uh, church and uh, in, uh, that happened in Barcelona about 700 years ago. The translation of that debate is in here as well. And uh, a few other things, pictures, beautiful pictures of the Ramban's uh, uh, community and uh, really something uh, special. And also there's a lot of corrections on the translation itself for anyone uh, that's been watching our series of Jewish Intimacy. This is the book that it's based off of. And uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, as just simply a side note, anyone that buys this particular edition will also be uh, happy to see our uh, first askama, uh, or one of the first askamot that we gave, uh, as our uh, dear uh, Rabbi Bar Nachman, you know, for whatever reason, 
asked us to give him an askama, uh, you know, and uh, we were happy to do it, Baruch uh, Hashem. So this was uh, definitely a very big schut uh, um, to be a part of it, and Baruch Hashem, uh, we're looking forward to continue to teach that series. We just uh, started or restarted the series uh, in, last night, and I already got quite a bit of feedback from people that have watched it, that it was uh, uh, simply uh, extraordinary how much holiness is in our Torah and how relevant it is today uh, than uh, more than ever before. So highly recommend for anyone that uh, hasn't started the series to start it as soon as possible because it'll simply fix your marriage, it'll fix your life uh, because you'll get a better understanding of some of the mistakes that are uh, simply... Uh, uh, common uh, common uh, behavior today uh, that you could uh, easily get rid of and of course certain th- certain ways that you could sanctify yourself and bring some holy children uh, to the world uh, so with that being said we are starting a uh, you know this week we started the uh, Zman of the Shovavim we're starting Sefer Shmot the book of Exodus uh, and of course Everyone that has been, uh, you know, f- you know, learning with us over the years, anyone that's been learning in general over the years, is very much familiar with the story. This is when uh, Am Yisrael, in essence, uh, begins, begins the becoming Am Yisrael. Uh, although it all started with Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, uh, the, uh, the next chapter uh, is really when we all became slaves in Egypt, suffered tremendously, until the salvation eventually came, uh, and Hakadosh uh, Baruch gave us the Torah. But in between the lines, there is a common denominator, a common denominator that you will find across the entire Torah. Uh, the message that's between the lines that is teaching us about kedusha, so much so that you literally see it everywhere in the Torah, not just random places, but literally. In every single part of the Torah, you will see extraordinary and important teachings about Kedusha, about morality, uh, about, uh, of course, the prohibition of immorality and, uh, you know, and wasting seed and adultery and all of those things that, unfortunately, uh, have become uh, all too common in our generation. But the uh, constant teaching and the repetition and the reappearance of the teachings of Kedusha show us that Kedusha is the foundation of Judaism. Achieving holiness, specifically when it comes to morality, is the foundation of Judaism, as the sages repeat over and over again. Now, where do we see the teachings of Kedusha in the parasha? That's some of the things we'll discuss tonight, Be'ezrat Hashem, and there's going to be some uh, beautiful things that we'll bring also from Rabbi Aaron Rata, that uh, we haven't said in the past, despite the uh, you know numerous uh, lectures we've given about this topic, things that uh, literally are earth-shattering. Now, These are the names of the children of Israel who entered Egypt with Yaakov, each man, and the members of his household entered. So here we see that this is all, in essence, taking us a little bit back, giving us a little bit of background, that this is how we got to where we are. Yaakov Avinu 
came down with his family to Egypt. There were 70 souls, uh, and this is specifically counting the, uh, you know, mainly the men with the exception of two women. So there was more than 70, because uh, of course everyone was married and so on. But the point is, is that the, uh, the 70 souls that are mentioned is repeated several times in the Torah. We discussed this particular point in last year's lecture, so we're not going to repeat it, why this number 70 is of uh, utmost importance and why it's repeated so many times. But then we see something very interesting that perhaps we missed until now, where we see here that after it's giving the names of the tribes, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehudai, Sachar, Zvulun, Binyamin, Dan, Naftali, Gad, Ve'asher. Ve'yi kol nefesh yotze yerech Yaakov. Shiv'im nefesh v'yosef aya b'mitzrayim. All of the persons who emerged from Yaakov's loins and entered Egypt were 70 souls, and this includes Yosef, who was already in Egypt. Now, in today's language, or the way people speak today, generally when you say, you know, this is uh, Yaakov, and you'll say, this is his sons, this is his daughters, or this is his family. And if you're going to say, oh, this is what came out of his loins, the average folks out there immediately have dirty things coming out of their mind, dirty things pictured in their mind, and uh, if they were connected to uh, artificial intelligence that is going to take their thoughts and turn them into pictures, Hashem Yilachem Aleinu of what would actually come out. But our Holy Torah repeats this multiple times where it says, all of the persons who emerged from Yaakov's loins. Why do I need to know this specific detail? Obviously, if they're his sons, that's how they came out. What is this biolog- biology lesson that I'm getting here? Know this. Kedusha is highlighted in the Torah. Anytime there is Kedusha, and I don't just mean holiness, superficially holiness, like a holy mitzvah or a holy deed, but rather specifically the matters of Kedusha, the matters of morality. That's how it's called in the holy language, Kedusha. Kedusha is highlighted in the Torah because from a Kadosh, a Kadosh comes out. Lehavdil, just like the Gemara says, mitame, tame is someone that's uh, something that's unholy, creates things that are unholy. But here also the Torah shows us that holiness can also create holiness. Not always, because we see that Avraham, he had Yitzchak, Kodesh Kodeshim, but he also had Ishmael. Yitzchak, had Yaakov, Kodesh Kodeshim, but he also had Esav, at Esav Saneti. Now, generally speaking, there, the, the wickedness of Ishmael or Esav was by their choice. In fact, the 
Me'am Loez by uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kuli. It's written about 300 years ago. Who used to fast for one week at a time from Shabbat to Shabbat as he was writing the Me'am Loez. And all this he was doing in hiding. No one knew that he did it until it was disclosed by one of the students who found out. But Rav Kuli brings up the point that a sav was actually given tools that were even greater than Yaakov. So much so that he was supposed to be the father for half of the tribes. And he had a potential that's even greater than Yaakov. Initially, they both started on the same righteous path, but then eventually, Esav abandoned the world of Torah and followed his desires. Yaakov, on the other hand, became a Baruch Hu's favorite and thereby gave birth to all 12 of the tribes. And this is highlighted here specifically in the words that all of these holy people the 12 tribes came out emerged from Yaakov's loins now why does the Torah want us to know that this happened specifically this way even though you can simply understand it on your own to emphasize the importance of Kedusha. It's not incidental that the time of Shovavim, that is the auspicious time to do tshuva for immorality, specifically wasting seed or anything connected to it, whether it's addiction to pornography or uh, you know LGBTQ behavior or adultery, or promiscuity, both for men and women, this is the auspicious time where HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens up the gates in order to help you do tshuva for it if you simply so try. So the book of Shmot that begins this time starts with this first lesson. The foundation of Am Yisrael comes from Yaakov. Why Yaakov? Because Yaakov was Kadosh. Not because he prayed three times a day. Not because he learned Torah. But rather because Yaakov protected his Brit so much so that the first seed that ever came out of his body, as we learned in last week's Parashat Vayechi, was the seed that was used by Kadosh Baruch Hu to bring Reuven into the world. The first seed that ever came out of his body was at the age of 87 years old. I have young men and sometimes women that tell me that they're struggling to protect their breed. It's been too long. It's been a week. I don't know if I can handle it. Our Rosh Kolel, Rav Shavit, told us a shocking story recently where one of the Avrechim that learns at a different kolel that, that he knows came to him for help. What was the help that he needed? Was it a sugya in Choshen Mishpat? Was it 
different complicated questions when it comes to uh, purity and impurity. No. He was addicted to wasting seed. Even though he's married. Even though he's an avrech. How often? Every two days. Hashem Ishmo. Rav Shavit, who told us that the first shiur that he ever gave in his life many years ago when he was 16 years old was about Kedusha, was about the issues of morality to a bunch of young guys that weren't exactly religious or Kadosh. So he has some ex- extensive experience here. He helped the guy, spoke to him, taught him, sat with him. And after recently meeting him, Again, several months have passed already. This Avrech was happy to say that things have improved drastically. He's now at only once every two weeks. Now, even though this is still not uh, a complete tshuva, it's a world of difference from where he was just a few months ago. So, Sefer Shmot starts off by letting us know that Am Yisrael's foundation came from Yaakov Avinu. And the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose Yaakov Avinu is because Yaakov Avinu protected his breed from the moment that he brought to this world. The moment that his eyes opened up, he protected his breed and a seed did not leave his body until he was 87 years old. Such a holy person is one of our forefathers. Now, if a person simply understood just this, it would be, it should be motivating enough for one to do tshuva. But what can we do that most people don't really understand the magnitude of this? And therefore, the Torah teaches us further. Where it says that Yosef, Ayabe Mitzrayim, the same sentence. What does it mean Yosef Ayah B'Mitzrayim? What does it mean that Yosef was a Mitzrayim? Yosef was buried in Egypt. Unlike his father that was buried in Me'arat Mechpelah, Yosef was buried in Egypt. But only temporarily. Where HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that Moshe Rabbeinu took out the bones of Yosef HaTzadik out of Egypt and buried him in Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because Yosef was a tzadik. Why was he a tzadik? Because he protected his breed. When the beautiful Eshet Potiphar, which the Gemara says was one of the most beautiful women that ever lived, came on to him on a regular basis as he was a servant in our house and tried to entice him to be with her. He refused time and time again to the point where eventually he landed in, in, in prison for 12 years just for the sake of protecting his elite. Rabbi Aaron Rata, one of the holiest men that lived in the last century, writes, in his Sefer Tarat HaKodesh, that when someone protects their breed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu protects them. 
and ensures that all matters relating to them he himself takes care of. Just like Yosef Tzadik. And even beyond their life. So when it says that Yosef was in Egypt, that's because his bones were in Egypt temporarily. Then it says, Yosef died, and all of his brothers and the entire generation. Doesn't mention the names of his brothers. It specifically mentions Yosef. And thereby after, it says, and the children of Israel increased, reproduced, multiplied, and became mighty, very, very much so. And the land became filled with them. Another lesson that Chazal teaches is that Am Yisrael had an extraordinary blessing when they were in Egypt where every woman aside from the women of Shevet Levi the ones that were from the tribe of Levi every one of the other tribes every time they gave birth it was six babies six children at a time hence the reason why the adjectives used to describe the expansion and reproduction of Am Yisrael is six different words increased reproduced multiplied became mighty very very much so why did they get this blessing why do we have all of this blessing and what does this have to do with Yosef dying this is the teachers of Utai that when a person protects their breed just like Yosef Tzadik did when they make their breed Kodesh, where they're only using it with their spouse. They're only using the seed for holy reasons and not for things like, unfortunately, animals use, even though they call themselves humans. When someone protects their breed and realizes that this breed, this is the covenant between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu ensures that they give them a blessing of children. Several times people have come to me where they have problems bringing children to the world. Young, healthy, sometimes they have money, sometimes they don't have money, they love their wife, Everything is good, except married for four, five, six, seven, ten years. No babies. There's nothing more miserable than that. Both for the husband and the wife. Especially when they don't even know the reason. And Baruch Hashem, not once and not twice. When I spoke to the, the people, I told them, that it all has to do with their brit. If they protect their brit, if they do tikkun brit, they'll have blessings. Now, of course, this seems ridiculous because it doesn't agree with science. It doesn't agree with logic. It doesn't agree with society. It doesn't agree with a lot of things that have become normal ideology today. But it doesn't need to agree with it. 
Because our Torah has always been our Torah. The fact that everyone else is wrong is, doesn't matter to us. If it says it in the Torah, that's the truth. Everything else is irrelevant. When a person believes it, he'll see it with his own eyes. She'll see it with her own eyes. I had a young guy, Hasid, good guy, tell me he's together with his wife, loves her, adores her, everything is good, but doctor said there's no way they could ever have kids. I told him, make sure that you protect your wheat. No more pornography, no more looking right or left. No more of that garbage. Furthermore, for whatever you did, which I don't need to ask, in the past, do a tikkun. Rabbi, I'm not rich. You don't need to be rich. No, but if I calculate how many times I wasted seed in comparison to how many fat, I mean, if it's $400, every time I have to do a tikkun, I don't know, I have to have $50 million. I said, no, 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 you don't have to. You don't have $50 million, right? He says, right. I said, God knows you don't have $50 million, right? Well, yeah, well, he's the one that didn't give it to you. Oh. But maybe you have a different amount. You don't have 4,000? No. You don't have 2,000? No. Do you have 400? Yeah, I have 400. Okay, so do 400. Do one tikkun a month. I can do that. Okay. Not a year passed. He tells me, Rabbi, my wife is only a couple of months away from having our first child. HaKadosh Baruch didn't wait for him to do a million and a half tikkunim before he gave him a blessing. He saw that he's serious, he gave him the blessing. Other times I, had, I saw people that newly married, two years, the wife is crying every day. Why? She wants a baby. She says, Rabbi, that's the only reason I got married. I want to have kids. I love my husband, but I want to have kids. I had a little chat with the husband. Told me, you know that uh, the fact that you're on the computer at 2 o'clock in the morning? So yeah, you're not watching Shuletua, are you? He goes, no, not always. It's okay. Cut it out. Why, it's that big of a deal, Rabbi? Well, it's most likely going to land you in Gainom for a very long time, in addition to the fact that you're probably going to get divorced if you don't stop. But I don't think she knows, Rabbi. She knows. How do you know, Rabbi? Her neshama knows everything. Her neshama knows what your neshama is doing even if her body doesn't. You really think it's going to work? I don't think. I know. Six months later, Rabbi, when should I uh, tell my parents that I'm pregnant because everyone has been crying about this nonstop? I said, keep it a secret for as long as possible. I tell all the young women, Keep your pregnancy a secret for as long as possible until you can't. Where pretty much the body's disclosing the secret. Why? Blessings are best kept out of people's uh, conversation. Yeah, but it's going to make them happy. Fine, I'll make them happy in six months from now also. Don't worry. Nothing's going to change. Just. Try to keep it. If you can't, you can't. But it's better to keep it a secret. There's a lot of Ainara, especially people that have this issue. 
And as I said many times, Baruch Hashem, I've seen young people that never even heard about the fact that immorality and wasting seed is such a big deal in Judaism to the point where it's literally the foundation of Judaism. In so many words, if a person protects their Brit, Rabbi Araun Ata says in the name of the Zohar, in the name of the Arizal, if he protects his Brit, Akadosh Baruch Hu will make sure that he does not go to Gehenom. Even if he makes other sins. Even if he makes other sins. Akadosh Baruch Hu will make sure he doesn't go to Gehenom. If he protects his Brit. Why? He'll give you whatever difficulty you have to have, whatever suffering you have to have, whatever punishment and rebuke you have to have in this world. Why? You protected your Brit. You're not welcome in Gehenom. Rabbi Aaron Rata says that a person that protects their Brit, Rabotai Karim, does not suffer Chibut kever. The extraordinary benefits of protecting your Brit are literally unimaginable. We're thinking about doing a whole shiur about this at the big event next week, Bezad Hashem. It's a lot of information, a lot of preparation. And if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the strength, the ability, the siyat dishmaya, Bezat Hashem, that's what we'll do. Because the amount of information that you are unaware of, of how important morality is in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, literally, will change your life. Even if you're already religious, even if you're a rabbi, even if you're an olam abba. The amount of information that's available out there from our holy sages, from our chachamim. If one were to know it, literally they would make this issue their number one most important thing in their entire life more than anything else. More than money, more than their job, more than their anything. If they knew how much benefits they get for protecting their breed. Rabbi Aaron Rata teaches that the entire salvation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu bringing Mashiach depends on the Brit of Am Yisrael. Depends on the morality of Am Yisrael. After the Mashiach comes, the Bet Amikdash depends on the Brit of Am Yisrael. The entire foundation of this world only has reason to exist because of the Brit of Am Yisrael. When a person protects their Brit, they give themselves benefits that they cannot even imagine, even if we review it, because simply each one of them is bigger than the next, and you can't even imagine the first. So when a person achieves the extraordinary insight that Kedusha has to be their number one priority in their life. For men, of course, protecting their bleed. For women, of course, same thing. Not just in that particular matter, but also modesty and everything that has to do with the issues of Kedusha, with morality. 
if you're walking around immodest, you're not only losing the Kedusha that you could easily acquire, but you're actually causing Tum'ah to come to the world. The loss is unimaginable. Even without considering the punishment that ultimately will be given to those women that walk around immodestly. Even without considering all of the teachings we have in the film Genom of how the sinners get hung by different body parts that they sinned with. Even without considering that, the loss that is created by you walking around immodestly, by you looking at immodest women, by you doing things that are antithetical to the Torah when it comes to the matters of Kedusha, the loss that you have in this world is literally unimaginable how much you lose. By the time a person gets to the Betin of Heaven and is told how much they lost because of immorality, the Zohar Kadosh says, and even the Gemara as well, the person themselves says to Akadosh Baruch Hu, put me in Genom. You are the righteous judge. Put me in Genom. That's how much the loss is. If the, if the ground could swallow them, they would do it. So when a person achieves the major milestone of realizing the importance of Kedusha. They start going on the path of protecting their eyes, of not going to certain places that they know that it will lead them to look at things that are inappropriate, act inappropriately, commit adultery, commit promiscuity, destroy their Kedusha. They go on the path but of course, the Satan is also on that same path trying to ruin it for you. Each time you don't look, each time you don't act, you could ask for a specific blessing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as you protect your bleat more and more for a longer period of time, you start gaining things. Protection, prosperity, perpetuity. Akadosh Baruch Hu becomes your personal protector. Those that want to destroy you, those that want to hurt you, those that want to take from you, now have to deal with Akadosh Baruch Hu. They have no permission to go next to you. And you see this with your own eyes. Sometimes years after the fact, sometimes months, sometimes moments. But you see how certain things were, according to the nature of the world, that was supposed to happen. But it didn't happen. Why? You protect your bleat. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I protect you. Prosperity. When a person protects their bleat, they start getting more blessings from HaKadosh Baruch Hu when it comes to money, 
all of a sudden the money that they're making doesn't just increase in quantity, but there's increase in blessing, meaning that whatever you're getting, you're keeping more of it. I know a bunch of guys that make a lot of money, but they simply have no blessing. I have a guy that I know makes no less than $150,000, $200,000 a month. But for him to make a $500 donation is literally like he has to move things from account to account. It might even be easier for him to donate a tooth or a limb or, or some other body part. Not because he doesn't want to. It's just because there's simply no blessing. As soon as the money comes in, it has to come out for something. There's a bill, there's a fine, there's a problem, there's a this. Constantly. No blessing in the money. 200000 a month? Literally, teenagers donate more than he does. When a person protects their bleat, automatically, they start getting blessings when it comes to money. First thing, they stop the big losses because each time a person commits acts of immorality and i don't recommend you test this but if you want to test it by all means especially if you have money you'll see immediate loss i had a guy invest a few million dollars in the stock market i told him this he didn't believe it and then he tells me, Rabbi, I just lost $25,000 this morning. So okay, well, you have money. He goes, yeah, but everything was, I did everything right. Except the thing you said about the bleat. We didn't learn the lesson. The first time wasn't enough. He lost money, so he was upset. So he wasted seed again. The next day he lost another 25,000. And the next day he lost another 25,000. Literally, he lost over a half a million dollars inside of a month. And he still didn't get the point. No, it was just a bad market. Everyone else benefited except you. I promise you, this is not being made up. This is what Torah says. You waste seed, you act immoral, immoral, you'll lose. First thing you lose is money. Why? Because HaKadosh Baruch takes money instead of your life. Because according to the letter of the law, a person that wastes seed, a person that acts immoral, a person that's promiscuous is supposed to get the death penalty. But since we do not have the Sanhedrin right now, and HaKadosh Baruch is merciful, he doesn't kill you right away. He gives you time, but you still have to pay. What do you have to pay with? That promotion you were supposed to get, you're not getting it. That car you just bought, now it's in the shop because somebody hit it and you have to spend $15,000 to fix it. That new house you just got, the air conditioner is shot. You have to spend $10,000 to fix that. All types of problems, you start losing money left and right. Why? It's because of that. The Gemaraim Masech HaBachot says that if a person sees that he's losing money, check your actions, specifically this. 
specifically this if a person is protecting his bleat you'll see the opposite you'll start seeing that you're getting blessings all of a sudden money shows up all of a sudden you have enough when mathematically you didn't all of a sudden things work out why the brit is the foundation of the torah we have protection we have prosperity prosperity and then we have perpetuity what's perpetuity an endless blessing that's even beyond your life as we see with yosef at tzaddik yosef was in egypt buried inside the nile river they hid him they didn't want the jewish people to take out the source of their blessings they wanted yosef to stay akadosh bahu made sure that serach the daughter of asher lived for hundreds of years before he took out the gun eden alive so she could be the one that tells moshe rabenu where yosef is buried because no one else from that time was still alive that knew furthermore am israel continues to benefit from yosef's holiness how each mother despite the circumstances of what's going on in egypt she carries the babies delivers six babies average family young they get married young they're not playing playstation they're not going night clubbing they're not testing their bodies out until they're too old for anyone to want them they get married early which means that she's getting married in her teenage years by the time she's 25 she's given birth seven eight nine times even if it's only five times by the time she's 25 she's got 30 kids and she doesn't stop at 25 Am Yisrael continues. We have a woman that we know. Hashem give her She just gave birth to our 15th kid. She is 55, 56 years old. 56 years old. She just gave birth. Why? Akadosh Baruch Hu gives you blessings. Her husband is an avrech, tzaddik, kadosh. Bezat Hashem, kadosh, but will continue giving them blessings and protect them from all evil. We see that Am Yisrael gives birth six at a time. A woman gets married in her teenage years. By the time she's 25, she's got 30 kids. By the time she's 35, she's got a small little army. By the time you figure out what everyone wants for breakfast, it's already dinner. <laughs> but what a blessing to have. Sometimes people say, no, no, listen, we already have two, three kids. We stopped. What do you mean you stopped? No, you know, we did the procedure to stop. Or So what's the question then? No, we figure we're trying to ask you because it's not because of the kids. We're just, we're having financial problems. You don't have financial problems. You have mental problems. No, 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 Rabbi, we're, we're good. We'll keep Shabbat, we keep kosher, we, we, uh, we give tzedakah whenever we have. Right now we don't have, and we haven't had for at least two, three years. Let me ask you something. Entertain me 
for a little bit? Did the financial problems start somewhere around the time when you decided to stop having kids? Whoa, Rabbi, what? How'd you know? Were you a prophet? No, no, I'm not a prophet. Even though Rabbi Aaron Rata says in the name of the Zohar that a person that protects their breed and teaches and teaches Am Israel about Tikkun Abrit will go to heaven and be considered as one of the prophets. Why? Because this is the foundation of Judaism. But I'm not a prophet. But I can tell you that this is what our Torah says. It's not a coincidence that your financial problem started when you decided to stop having kids. Because our sages teach us in countless places Each child brings a blessing. Each child, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you money with them. You stopped. You closed the store. There's no more income coming in. Are you sure? Do you believe in the Torah? Yeah. Okay, so I'm sure. And what ends up happening, Rabotaya Karim, when people are clever enough to listen, they see things change. All of a sudden, the contracts go through. All of a sudden, life works itself out, and all of a sudden, they have what they were longing for. They figured, listen, I already have a couple of kids, I have a boy, I have a girl, but we're having financial problems right now. Things are a little tough. The tuition for school is high. So let us make a little more money and then we'll have kids. It doesn't work that way. Bringing children to the world is one of the ways that you show HaKadosh Baruch Hu you believe that he's the one that will sustain you. You stopped having kids because you're waiting for money to come in. You're doing the opposite. The kids come, the money comes. Yeah, but what if I try and it doesn't work? It's not your problem. Your responsibility is to try. Whether HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to bless you with it or not is irrelevant. You have to try. Now of course, there's breaks in between pregnancies for health reasons, both mental and, uh, and physical health of the woman usually could be anywhere from as little as six months to as much as two years. But the point being is, is that when a person doesn't care about holiness, they don't realize how much they're losing. And therefore, when a person achieves the milestone of knowing that Kedusha is the foundation, I'm not even saying the milestone of achieving Kedusha, because that's already a purpose of life. When they simply understand that they must prioritize Kedusha in their life, that morality is of utmost importance, there's nothing more important than that. They can get the protection, the prosperity, the perpetuity. And as Rabbi Awanata says, they are now partners in the building of the Bet HaMikdash. They are now partners in bringing Mashiach. And as an added benefit, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises you, when you protect your Brit, He promises you that one day you will see Him. You will see Him with your eyes. Away, but he doesn't have an image, doesn't have likeness of an image. Yeah, it's in this world. 
When you leave this world, it's a different story. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will allow you to see him. How big is this? Even the angels cannot see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But those that protect their breed will get to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, of course, the more a person realizes the importance of this, the more the Satan is going to try to do what it can to stop you. All of a sudden, they'll send you friends that want to invite you to all types of places that people make sins. All of a sudden, you get a job offer at a place that is full of sins. All of a sudden, all types of things pop up on the screen. All of a sudden, people care about why you're not coming out and hanging out with everyone. And they care about your personal choices. Until now, they didn't care if you jumped off a plane without a parachute. Now, all of a sudden, they think that you're too fanatic about religion because you're protecting your bleat. Where do we see this? In this parasha. After we're told that the foundation comes from Yaakov, the blessing comes through Yosef. Ami says, sees the blessing. And right after it says, a new king arose over Egypt who did not uphold the edict of Yosef. Paro did not uphold the edict of Yosef. What's an edict? It's a covenant. What's a covenant in Hebrew? Brit. Just like the Brit of a man, the Brit is also a deal. As soon as Am Yisrael was achieving sanctity, immediately Paro came to attack. Who does Paro represent? Kohot Atumah, the powers of impurity. Where a person must realize that their aspiration to achieve holiness is not going to be an easy path. It's going to be the most difficult thing that you've ever done in your life. But when you achieve it, you'll see so many blessings that you won't even have not enough time to count them. But Kedusha cannot coexist with Tuma peacefully. There will never be peace. There are breaks in between the attacks, but Kedusha and Tum'ah cannot coexist in peace. The Gemara says 10 levels of immorality were brought down to the world. Nine of them were given to Egypt. Hence the reason why right after we hear about Yaakov, Yosef, and Bnot Israel that are modest and are giving birth to six babies at a time, what do we see? The leader of the most impure nation in history. Break the bleat. Attack the bleat. And he says, Come, let us act wisely towards them. This is to teach us, Rabotai, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will sometimes allow the Tum'ah, allow the evil to win for a period of time in order to test the Kedusha, in order to test the Tzadikim, in order to weed out 
the weak, the fakers, but also in order to show off the tzaddikim. As the Midrash says, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu test out Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all these tzaddikim? He knew that they're going to pass the test. He didn't test them for himself. He didn't even test them for Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov's sake. He knew they're going to pass the test. He knows the future. Why did he test them? To show all of us that they passed the test and that's why he loves them. So he lets the impurity, he lets the evil win in order to test us, but also in order to eventually celebrate the tzaddikim and show off to the world, look, I tested them, I tested her, and they passed. Now you know why I love them, now you know why I bless them. Paro continues to fight. And he says, let's act wisely towards them, lest they become numerous. And it may be that if a war will occur to us, they too may join the enemy and go up from our land. Now logically, this doesn't make sense. If you're scared that the Jewish people are your enemy, then why wouldn't you want them to leave? You're saying they may be your enemy, they may join your other enemy, and then leave. If they're your enemy, the first thing you want them to do is to leave. Now, of course, from A, worldly perspective we know that it's because all Paro wanted is simply more money he wanted more material he didn't want the Jewish people to leave he wanted their own prophets to leave and go to him he wanted the Jewish production the Jewish uh, blessing but all of it to go to him this is not a unique thing. Same thing happened in all of the enemies of Amisad throughout the generations. They want to kick out the Jews, but they want to keep all their stuff. Or they simply just, they don't care if the Jews stay, but they don't want them to continue making so much money. But they wanted them to continue producing money for everybody else. But on a deeper perspective when it comes to the matter of Kedusha, since we now know that on the side of Kedusha, Yaakov and Yosef are representing it, Bnot Israel, the daughter of Israel, are showing us some of these blessings because of their own modesty, as Am Israel preserved their blessing by, you know, keeping their names, keeping their uh, modesty, as far as their, uh, their uh, clothing, and also their language. They still continue speaking the holy language. But on the side of immorality, of tum'ah, of impurity, we have Paro that has in his hands nine levels of impurity out of ten that are given to the entire world. As the Rambam says, a woman is not allowed to be with a woman because we learn that a Baruch Hu 
finds that disgusting as that's one of the reasons that he punished Egypt. Because that's what they used to do. That's what they used to do. So now we see that Paro is talking war, but don't leave. So why would the Tum'ah, the impurity, not want the Kedusha to leave? That's because of Butayi Kareem. The war between Kedusha and Tum'ah is constant. If you're fighting for the sake of attaining Kedusha, you're going to constantly fight against the Tum'ah. But know this, that the Tum'ah is not looking for you to abandon learning Torah. The Satan doesn't want you to stop learning Torah. The Satan doesn't want you to start, uh, to stop keeping Shabbat. No. What does he want? He wants you to do all of those mitzvot. But, act immoral. Waste seed, watch pornography, wear something immodest, socialize with men that are not your husband, do all types of things that are immoral while you're doing mitzvot. Why would the Satan want you to do that? Because just like Pa'o says, there's a war, but I don't want them to leave. Do you know why I don't want them to leave? Because the Tuma needs the Kedusha. Because the Kedusha is the source of life. And without Kedusha existing, there is no world. And therefore the Tuma specifically focuses on people that do mitzvot, that are religious, that are learning Torah. People that are not learning Torah, the Tumah doesn't even bother with them. Why? They're already sinning by themselves. They're like on autopilot of sins. They sin by themselves. They do things immoral by themselves. They're addicted to sins all by themselves. They don't have to. The Satan doesn't have to influence them to go to bad places and look at bad things. They're already living a bad life. They're already living a purposeless life. Where does the Satan focus all of his energy? on people that are learning Torah, on people that are keeping Torah and mitzvot. He sees you learning. Wow, look, she's watching Shur Torah every night. Look at that. Great, great. Let him keep watching. Look at him. He studied two hours today. Psh, good job. Keep going, keep going. This is not the uh, Akadosh Baruch Hu saying at that point. This is the Satan saying. Look, he just watched the rabbi for two hours. Psh, good job. Look, he just finished two dapim of Gemara. Good job. Keep going. Keep going. Keep learning. Keep doing mitzvot. Oh, look, they just gave some staka to a homeless guy. They just supported a campaign over there to get some tzitziot. Good job. Keep doing mitzvot. Good. Why? I'm waiting for you around the corner. Build you up. Fatten you up. Like a duck. Fatten you up. Like a little calf. Feed you, feed you, feed you. More mitzvot, more mitzvot. Why? Because around that corner, 
I'm waiting for you with a film of immorality. Around that corner, I'm waiting for you with an opportunity to sin, with immorality. Take that date that was supposed to be shiduch too far. Take that conversation with the client too far. Take that opportunity too far. And when you fall, Satan says, Ah, now I got you. All of that Kedusha that you've gained, Hashem Yishmar V'yetzid, May Hashem protect us and save us from this. All of the mitzvot that you just did, all of the tzedakah that you just did, all of the learning Torah that you just did, all of the Kedusha that you've gathered by protecting, by doing good. But you fell. Now it just gave the Satan, the Sitra Achra, even more power. Hence the reason why the sages teach that wasting seed is like Avodazara. It's not Avodazara, but it's like Avodazara. Why? It's like you gave a korban to the Satan. You walked around, modest the whole year. Two years you're covering your hair. Two years you're covering your body. Everything is good. But then one of your friends says, we're having a wedding. Why don't you come? Okay, I'm coming. But you're not going to. I want you to be one of the uh, bridesmaids. Okay, fine, I'll be a bridesmaid. Yeah, but I, I don't want you to wear that shmata on your head. What do you mean? I have to cover my hair. I'm I'm married. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we can get you something else. What are you going to get me? You know, we can get you a wig that's longer than the exile. One that makes you look more single than the bride. But worse yet, she got a new job. She's making a little bit of money, helping the family out. All of a sudden, the boss says, listen, we're having a uh, meeting today after work. I want you to come. Talk about promotions, bonuses. Yeah, but, you know, I have my husband. He's waiting for me. You know, it's a, uh, listen, it's promotions. You know, first come, first serve. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll come. Okay, she tells her husband, honey, I'm going to be a little late. I have to go to a promotion meeting. And, oh, okay, okay. Where is it, at the office? I don't know. It's somewhere around. And it's nowhere near the office. It's at some bar. And before you know it, the boss says, listen, have a drink. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to have a drink. No, come on, we're, we're talking about promotions. I was thinking about giving you a 25% raise. Oh, 25% raise, yeah. Well, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? How much are you drinking? Yeah, have a little shot. And before you know it, his hands all of a sudden, his eyes all of a sudden, everything all of a sudden. And guess what? My dear daughter of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem Yishmar V'yatzil, even if you did not commit the act altogether, but you crossed the line. Remember all those mitzvot? Remember all that modesty? Remember all those things you did? The Satan just took all of it. The Satan just took all of it. So why did, he, why, why did this happen? It happened because you allowed it to happen. Because you didn't realize that 
Tumah needs Kedusha. It's not just, oh, it's either Tumah or Kedusha. No, no, no. Tumah needs Kedusha. Hence the reason why Paro says, there's going to be a war, but I don't want them to leave. Why? I need them. They're my weapon. Yeah, but they're the enemy. No, they're not really the enemy. I need them to do mitzvot. It's just that once they finish doing the mitzvot, then I'm going to get them. Let them build. Let them build, let them learn, let them do good stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. But if he comes and he wastes he once a month, perfect. All of that goes to me. She keeps modesty all month long, but then she decides to forget the kisulos at home. She decides to wear a dress that's no different than her skin because it's just as tight. She decides to do all types of things that are not allowed because it's a business meeting. Guess what? Those mitzvot, now they went to the wrong side. Hashem Yishmor V'yatzil. Hashem Yishmor V'yatzil. The Tuma attacks when you're least expecting it. And what's going to get you back now that you made some mistake? You fell. You studied all month. You studied for two years. You haven't done a wrong thing in a long time. But now you just heard this and you are losing steam. Oh man, I lost everything. Yes, but there is hope. What's hope? Next it says that Am Yisrael Am Yisrael suffered tremendously. But as much as they would afflict them so they would increase, so they would become powerful. Meaning, even though the Tumah, even though Paro tried to destroy Am Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch did not let it happen. Hurt, they got hurt. Suffered, they suffered. But Am Yisrael high. Meaning, they held on to something to keep them in. Am Yisrael held on to very little. They didn't have the Torah like we have today. Didn't have translation, transliteration. Didn't have easily uh, accessible shu'et Torah. Rabbis that work at 3 o'clock in the morning just to answer your question. Didn't have that. But whatever they had, they held on to it. Names, they kept their Jewish names. They didn't start calling themselves all types of Egyptian names. They didn't call their son Mikey. They called him Michael. They didn't call their son Richard. They called him Yaakov. They called him Shimon. They called him the Jewish names. What's the big deal of a Jewish name? It's a reminder for yourself that you're Jewish every time someone says your name. And it's psychologically proven that the prettiest sound to a person is to hearing somebody saying their name. You have a Jewish name, you're constantly reminded you're Jewish. A lot of people have two names or more. 
They have a business name. They have a Jewish name. Jewish name they use in synagogue when they want to get a blessing. Everywhere else they use a different name. You can do it. I just don't recommend it. Why? Even though it's permitted to use this business name for different reasons. But you need to hear your name. It's not that other people need to hear your name. You need to hear your name. Why? It's a constant reminder of who you are. Amisai kept their names. Amisai kept their language. Yeah, but they're in Egypt already for 200 years. They kept their language. Why did the Egyptian become their first language? Why? Because we're Jews. It's important for a Jew to know Hebrew. It's not more important than learning Torah. But if you know Hebrew, that's a very big benefit. You can learn more things that haven't been translated. But what's the point here? It's not that Hebrew makes you Jewish. There's a bunch of Arabs that speak Hebrew. But rather, it's another reminder of where you come from. It's another reminder of where you come from. Lastly, they kept their clothing. They didn't start dressing like gangster rappers with their pants down to their ankles and the hat sideways as if they can't see straight. They didn't start wearing all types of clothes they saw in some filthy magazine of how these runway models wear. They didn't have any French designer decide their ultimate olamaba for them. What do they wear? Modest clothes. Modest clothes. What about big mitzvot, chesed, tzedakah, learning Torah, all that stuff. They didn't have that. But they had those three things. That kept them in. That kept Am Yisrael Chai. That kept Am Yisrael Chai, Rabotai. So no matter how much they would afflict them, no matter how much the Tuma would affect the Kedusha, would cause it to fall, they stayed in. Meaning, you fell, you lost your mitzvot, you can get it back. How? Start again. Start learning again. Start being modest again. Do tshuva again. Do a tikkun. Help other people do tshuva. Yeah, but I, I worked so hard and I lost it. Yes, you lost it. But you can get it back. Yeah, but it's so hard. Okay, so you just want to go to Gainom? You just want to suffer for the rest of your life? You want to be a loser? What do you want to do? No, but it's so hard. Yes. But it's hard because you made it hard. It's harder now to get back up than it was to stay on the right path. Now that you've learned that, go back on the right path and stay on it. And write it in a little book of how hard it is to get back up. So the next time the Satan comes to attack you and tries to convince you to wear something not modest, tries to convince you to go to a place of not modesty, tries to convince you to do things that are against Kedusha, you look at that book and it reminds you. You look at the lectures that we have, a whole playlist of lectures, and it reminds you. Not to fall. Achieving Kedusha is not a one-time thing. It's a lifelong endeavor. 
But even after Am Yisrael continued growing, Paro continued fighting back. And it says later on, literally the next verse, He afflicted them with labor. They embittered the lives with harsh labor. One of the most effective tools of the Satan to get you off your path, especially off the path of tshuva, is to get you to stop thinking about it. How? Get you busy with work. Get you busy with work. You're busy with work. You're busy with chasing money. You're busy with acquiring a better position. Yeah, I want to get a better position at a different company or at the same company. And I, I got to get this client. And I got to close this deal. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You can do all of that. But what about your Torah learning? What about your Kedusha? What about all these lines that you're almost crossing every single day just to achieve your goals? If you don't start paying attention to it and go back to making Kedusha your number one priority, guess what? You'll be worse than what you were when you first started this journey. And this rat race that you're on that's keeping you busy, that's also part of the strategy of the Sitra Acha, the Satan, the Malach Amavit, all being the same. Keep you busy. He's willing to give you money. He's willing to give you contracts. He's willing to give you opportunities. Why? Get your mind off of tshuva. So you think, oh, I have this opportunity with this client, with this company. Great. So close the deal. Call them. No, no, no. I got to meet them. Why do you have to meet them? No, because the owner, okay, fine. So, you know, you have somebody else that can meet them. Or maybe you can go with somebody else and not be a one-on-one meeting, not be in the middle of the night, not be at a nightclub, not be at a bar. Can it be a, just a meeting in the office with other people there so there's no issues of Yehud? No, you know, this guy, he's really like one of these like, you know, people that likes to enjoy life and he wants me to meet him at this lounge. And you know, there's a lot of people there, but the meeting is just me and him. And he's a male and I'm a female. And she's a female and I'm a male. And before you know it, Genom, Kafakela, and Chibuta Kever all become a reality. Why? Because you thought you were going to sign a contract. You thought you were going to sign a contract. How did he get you? Simple. Harsh labor. Get you busy chasing the dream. Forget about tshuva. Forget about tshuva. Rabotai Karim. We can go on forever. This parasha and this Torah is full of it. But as I mentioned before, the basic understanding of the parasha is what you do the first time you learn it. As you continue learning, you build. You build. You learn more. You don't learn the same thing every time. You learn more. You build on it. But one of the beautiful things about the Torah is that 
building upon it doesn't mean going to a completely different subject. It's the same thing, but with more information. It's the same thing, but with more insights, with more connections. Rabbi Aaron Rata gave us extraordinary insights over the years about the importance of, ble- of the Brit. And he says in the Tarata Kodesh that there are 80 ma'alot, 80 specific types of rewards that are beyond comprehension, which he goes into detail of what each one of them is. 80 ma'alot that a person gets for protecting their bleat. To the point of seeing God, bringing the Mashiach, getting Ruach HaKodesh, being considered like a prophet, literally, things that are beyond the comprehension. You would think you have to be like, you know, the most righteous person in the world to even think of something like this. Rabbi Aaron Rata says, no, no, no. You can achieve it. You, little you, 16-year-old, 26-year-old, 46-year-old, whatever old, you can achieve this. How? It all starts with Brit Kodesh. In fact, he starts off this section by saying that some of these rewards that are of this world, there's many of them that are beyond this world, but some of these rewards that are in this world, there are times where the generation, the generation itself does not have the merit to live among somebody that has such rewards out in the open, like prophecy and Ruach HaKodesh and so on, or things that are even beyond that, Rabbi Aaron Rata says, don't worry. Even if Hashem doesn't give it to you here, you will get it. You will get it. You will get every single thing that He promises. And I'm telling you, Every one of these ma'alot is better than the next. It's impossible to understand it. How could such a thing come from what seems to be simple? Now, of course, it's not simple. But in comparison to the reward, like I told you, if all of you knew what I have in front of me, you would literally make your top priority in your life to achieve Kedusha, which means modesty is no, no longer up for discussion. It's the only thing that exists, both males and females. Protecting your eyes, modest clothes, modest speech, holiness in regards to intimacy becomes a priority. You want to achieve it, even if you can't, and you're 20 years away from ever achieving it because you're used to one thing and it's a, you're going to try. Protecting your speech, learning about this, and doing tikkunim. Why? The more I invest into this, both my time, my resources, my efforts, the more I'm attaining this kedusha. 
the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu becomes a partner with me. I become a partner with Him. You become one of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's promoters, one of His prophets that spreads out this information, whether it's giving out USBs or cards or sending out the links to the shurim for those that know how to speak and have learned enough, teach. Literally, this becomes the number one thing. For those that have money, literally, they would sell buildings just to do this. They would sell buildings. They have that they make. They would sell the building just to do this. If they simply knew what I have in front of me, if they knew what Rabbi Aaron Rata told us, let literally, fifty years ago, less. The amount of blessings that a person gets from achieving kedusha, promoting it. As he himself says, unlike the people of our generation that are embarrassed to talk about it or teach it. So of course, he had the same issues we have now, even 60 years ago. He says the opposite. One must promote this. One must teach this. Mamash. He merits for the fourth ma'ala, he merits three specific benefits for the fourth lung. We're not talking about all 80. That in the future, he will ultimately see Akadosh Baruch Hu himself without anything separating him. No separation between them. He will see Akadosh Baruch Hu. She will see Akadosh Baruch Hu. Is, is there anyone that could possibly even imagine such a thing? This is just the fourth level. It gets better from this. Honestly, there's so many here, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Here in the seventh level, for example, he says, Anoter brit kodesh shalom meir et gufo ve'en rima ve'tolea sholet bo ve'iske le'atid le'ayin lo'i ra'ata he says someone that protects their Brit, achieves Brit Kodesh. It lightens their body. It makes, it, give, it bring, a Kadosh Baruch Hu brings a special light on this person to such an extent that no worm or maggot can touch it. Meaning, they finish their life here, they're buried, open up the, open up the grave, a hundred years from now, it looks like they're sleeping. It looks like they're sleeping. They're, they're still there. We're not talking about someone that learned 
for 500 years straight and didn't... No, no, we're talking about something that keeps Brit Kodesh. Something that every single one of you that's watching can attain. With a lifelong of effort and consistency, you can attain this. You can do this. And Yosef. He says, whoever overcomes an obstacle is considered in Shemaim, they announce, Gibo! What's Gibo? He is like Boaz, who didn't fall for the test with Ruth before he got married to her. He had an opportunity to do it, but he didn't. Even though she was sleeping by his feet, he never sinned. That's why from him comes Mashiach. With Palti ben Laish, who Shaul Amelech gave him his daughter to marry, even though she was already married to David. But he didn't fall because he knew she's the wife of David. And every night he put a sword in the middle of the bed. He says, Whoever crosses this, the sword will cut him. Sleeping next to a woman that he knows he's not allowed to, but he can't say no because the king will kill him. Until David Melch became again a king, he gave him his wife. And this was one of the most, not just a difficult test every single day. He loved her. He wanted to be with her. But he knew he's not allowed to. In Shemaim, he's called a Gibo. And then there's Yosef HaTzadik, Gibo. You overcome the test. The next time you have a test of the Satan coming to you, in Shemaim they're announcing, Gibo, Gibo. Like who? Like Boaz, like Palti ben Laish, like Yosef, Gibor. Shakadosh Bahu Yal Bishuto Bilbusho Levush Melech. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will ultimately put the clothing of a king, the garment of a king over you. Just like Yosef HaTzadik became a king. This list goes on and on again. If you only knew what Chachmenu Zichonam Livracha, what our sages told us about Brit Kodesh, you would literally understand how there's a clear path to achieving sanctity beyond and blessings beyond your comprehension. And the reason you haven't yet is as a result of the Satan doing everything he can to take your attention away from it, even if he has to take you to other mitzvot. Bring your focus to other mitzvot. Bring your focus to other good things. He rather you do all other good things. Go feed the homeless. Go uh, help the poor. Go uh, do all types of other things. Just get out of this bleed code stuff. No, 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 no. You're going to destroy my life. <laughs> yeah, destroy your life. Build mine. The only reason why you don't know is because the Satan works extra, overtime, 
to keep the generation ignorant. To keep the generation ignorant. Because if you knew, it's no question it will become the top priority in your life. Yigatzon may be his will that all of us will learn this, will do this, will succeed. And not only serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as a holy people, as it says in Parashat Kedoshim, Kedoshim to you ki Kedoshani, you be holy because I am holy, which is a special mitzvah in the Torah, one of the 613 mitzvot. But even more so, may we achieve it at the highest possible level by not only achieving Kedusha, but also by achieving Kedusha through publicizing it. And not just keeping it to ourselves, whether it's by supporting it, teaching it, whatever it is. If we can make this a top priority, there's simply no power in the world that the Satan will ever be given that will be able to stop Am Yisrael. We succeed. Now, you guys could ask some questions, Bezat Hashem. Give us the answers. When do you do the Sheva Brachot? Sheva Brachot starts, the first one is at the wedding itself. The Chupai and the Kiddushim that I, uh, you do is the first Sheva Brachot and then it continues for the next six days. What is the halacha regarding mezuzot, the time of persecution and life risk? Is one allowed to hide them? I mean, if they live in a place where if somebody sees that they have a mezuzah, they'd kill them, then the first thing they should do is move. Uh, but until they move, if they re- if it's legitimately a life risk, then sure, they could uh, uh, hide them. But uh, generally speaking, a mezuzah brings protection to the house, not... Uh, not um, uh, persecution. So, you know, Am Yisrael, at, in Egypt, we publicized that we were Jews by putting mezuzot rather than took them off. But again, right now, I don't believe there's any place in the world that Jews live in, that there's a com- Jewish community where it's li- a life risk to put a mezuzah. And even if, let's say, there's more anti-Semitism and so on, Wherever you are, you still have time to move out of there. And if you don't move out of there, then it's your fault, not the mezuzah's fault. Does it make a difference in in the Avera if one wore a garment with a little bit of shatnez or it was loaded with shatnez? I mean, if you're talking about is it make a difference how much of an avira? Uh, if if a person enjoyed an avira, for example, if they enjoyed the uh, sin, they'd get punished specifically for the joy as well as the sin itself. Uh, if they're a, uh, you know violating Shabbat, for example, uh, it's not just oh he broke Shabbat by driving and that's it, it's finished. Every single time he presses on the gas pedal is a new sin. You know if if a person is wearing shatnez. Every second that he's wearing a shatnez is a sin. Uh, you know, so it's a, uh, 
uh, it certainly does matter as far as uh, uh, you know, as far as the quantity of sins that a person makes. It's not just a one-time thing, or no. Rabbi, do you believe that Neturei Karta mean well or no? No, I've spoken about Neturei Karta in the past. They're Rashaim, Ahurim, and they'll have a special uh, punishment from HaKadosh Baruch at some point. I forwarded your short clip about New Year's to my cousins as you suggested. They were insulted and demanded an apology from me because they said that it is an extreme to compare the secular New Year to a yard site of Hitler. May his name be erased. How should I respond? You should respond that I'm not going to apologize for what the Torah says. I'm not going to apologize for the right ideology. You apologizing would be a bigger sin than uh, them celebrating New Year's because you apologizing for having a Torah ideology would be a chilul Hashem, would be a desecration of God's name. So apologizing is absolutely the worst thing you could do. You should never apologize for being a religious Jew. A married woman is supposed to cover her hair. Does that mean that she will never be able to go to a beauty salon? Uh, she can go to a, uh, have her hair done by a place where there's only women and it's closed off to the public and there's no man that works there or can be there. If that's not available at a salon, then she could bring somebody to the house. But quite frankly, there's really no need for her to do our hair like uh, you know single women do because she has her hair covered anyway. So what's the point of doing our hair? I don't I don't really understand the question. How can one merit a miracle? Uh, there's specific time uh, like uh, Hanukkah where people can actually pray for a miracle, which we discussed about a month ago or so. Uh, other than that, a person has to be a moser nefesh, meaning self-sacrifice for the sake of the Torah, self-sacrifice for the sake of Hashem. If a person self-sacrifices, you know, the more they self-sacrifice and they do beyond their nature, the more Kadosh Baruch in essence, will do beyond nature. Uh, if we follow the lunar calendar, how come the Amidah, we switch the Bachav Aleinu on December 5th, which is a solar calendar? Uh, actually, according to the uh, calendar, the way it works, you're in the exile, it's not always December 5th. It's, it's December 4th or 5th, it changes, but it just mathematically always works on that day. It's not because of the uh, date December 5th. It just happens to be that that's the exact number of days separating uh, from when the count starts. When we do Netilat Yadayim in the morning, isn't the cup technically still Tumah after touching it? 
it's the the the, uh, the cup is not uh, it's not not important for the, the cup to be tumah at all. There's no such thing as uh, something that you could apply right now because we don't have the Bet Mikdash anyway, and you're not serving in the Bet Mikdash. Uh, the the main thing that you need to be concerned of is the water. Uh, so if you had the uh, if you're filling up the cup with brand new water, then the water is uh, pure for you to use. If you had the water waiting by your bedside the whole night, then uh, you know it's good to cover the water so it's not open uh, above it. And then when you wake up in the morning, you uncover it and then pour the water uh, on your hands. Um, you know, it's, uh, you can cover it with a uh, towel, you can cover it with a uh, piece of plastic, cover it, whatever you want, but there's no uh, issue of the cup being pure or impure. Isn't it against the 13 principles of faith to say that parts of the Torah are metaphor? Isn't the whole Torah true? Uh, the fact that there are some things that can be utilized both as a metaphor does not negate their truth. Does not negate their truth. It just depends on where the uh, the sages told us where something is this and where something is that. You know, the, unfortunately today, it's, uh, people just decide for themselves without any consideration of what the sages said. So we have a tradition, we have a Masoet, we have a teachings that is in the uh, Midrash and the Gemara and the Zohar and the Shulchan Aruch and all different chachamim throughout all the uh, generations that have discussed every single aspect of the Torah. And uh, there are endless amount of lessons to be learned from every single word, from every single letter. Uh, and some of them are uh, allegorical, sometimes are metaphorical, sometimes they're literal, sometimes they're for ethical reasons, sometimes it's halachic issues. There's endless lessons. But to just simply say that, a uh, let's say, a certain... Uh, uh, story in the Torah, like for example, that uh, Adam and Chava, uh, you know, I heard one heretic say that uh, the whole story of Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, is not really a story that happened, but it's a metaphor. That's heresy. Saying something like that, that's heresy, because our sages have taught us in countless places that it's the story of Adam and Chava is a story of creation. It's not a metaphor. So if somebody decides to be a superhero for the villains, uh, and uh, say that uh, something that's against our tradition and say that this is uh, metaphorical, then of course that's against the 13 principles of faith. But if, let's say, for example, they go into the uh, commentary of the Song of Songs of Shlomo HaMelech, then it's well known that the whole Song of Songs is metaphorical. It's teaching a, uh, you know, the, the love between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael. It's not talking about a man and a wife. You know, because over there it talks about, you know, different body parts of a woman and the love between a man and a wife, but it's not really talking about a man and a wife. It's talking about the love between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that is clearly metaphorical. But again, there, there are um, uh, teachings about every single word in the Torah that tell us what is and what isn't something. And if somebody follows the words of the sages, they'll, uh, they'll protect their neshama from going to a bad place. Is a man supposed to fast during Shuvavim? Is it just twice a week or every day of Shuvavim? No, a man is, uh, is a, um, doesn't have to fast during Shuvavim. Uh, if a person is, learns Torah uh, and has sanctified themselves to the point where they can continue learning Torah and also fast, then yes, they can do it if their rabbi says it's okay. 
But if the person is a, uh, not learning Torah all day and he's, he's going to fast, it serves no purpose. If he's just going to work and fasting, that's not, that's not going to serve any purpose. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the, the biggest thing to do uh, during the time of Shavuvim is to learn Torah specifically about the subject, to do tshuva, meaning to uh, do all the steps of tshuva, and to also do tikkunim when possible. If somebody has the ability to do tikkunim, it's better to do it with money than to do it with fasting because uh, usually most people don't function the same way uh, when they fast. Uh, so they're, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to learn the same amount of Torah. Uh, if they're working, then there's no point of them fasting at all. Uh, the point of fasting is usually for somebody that's not working. It's learning Torah all day. And usually when somebody fasts, they're, uh, they're not able to learn the same quantity of Torah. And one minute of Torah is worth more than an entire day of fasting. So it's a, uh, it's, the fasting is not uh, uh, of, uh, of utmost importance for somebody that's a balabite, that's somebody that's a worker. If a person has sanctified themselves, they're an avrech, they learn Torah all day, and they, can, they know themselves, and they know that they can fast, and study just as much or even more, then yes, this is very good to do. Uh, to lower the uh, physicality and distance yourself from, from, from materialism uh, and elevate your spirituality is a very good thing to do. But for the vast majority of people, uh, this is not relevant. The vast majority of people are you know, working all day uh, and they're not studying till all day. So it's not, uh, uh, it's not relevant to them. What they can do uh, is, uh, again, they can do tikkunim. They can learn more Torah than they usually do. Uh, or they could also do tani dibu, which is a fasting of speech. You know, so let's say uh, learn Torah for, let's say, two hours or more without talking anything other than Torah for those two hours. Uh, that's, that's very valuable. If someone says that Yirat Shamayim is only awe and not fear, is that heresy? Uh, or is that just semantics? Uh, it's not necessarily uh, 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 heresy, it's stupidity, because it's just there's a clear verses in the Torah that uh, show us that exactly what it is, and there's a, uh, specific teachings of the sages that tell us that there's different levels of Yirat Shamayim. There's fear of punishment is the very basic foundation. That teaching is in Alacha, that teaching is in Hasidut, that teaching is in literal parts of the Torah, uh, so somebody to say that it's awe, they, not only they don't know what they're talking about, they don't even know what awe means. Awe is superior to fear of punishment. Uh, it's, 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 it's literally like saying, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, I don't believe that, uh, you know, I don't believe in, uh, I don't know, honestly, I can't even compete with that level of stupidity. It's just, it's just the person doesn't know how to speak. It's the person that doesn't know how to learn. It, it's sometimes... You just can't help people. It's not semantics, though. There's no, there's no semantics. There's a, there's, a, there's a mitzvah in the Torah to fear God. So. Uh, the book of lectures on Pirkei Avot, is it ready? Oh, you mean my lectures that uh, typed up the Pirkei Avot? No, no, it's not ready. It's going to... It's going to take a while. It's just, I don't have time, I don't have that much time to, to write and to fix. And even though I have some people that want to help me, 
uh, it's, it's hard for me for even to find time to review things. I have my own seder of learning. I have, uh, which Baruch Hashem, I'm trying to, uh, you know, learn, try to do a little more. Uh, and then there's all the, uh, anyway, just, yeah. It's, uh, one day. What advice do you have for a Noahide in their 20s looking for a wife? Usually it's hard finding another Noahide around my age. It's hard finding a Noahide uh, in any age, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Uh, my suggestion is to, you know, see who has a, uh, you know, if there's if you're 20 years old, you're on social media, you're, uh, you know, you're active in some type of, you know, things in the community, and uh, you're more likely to find uh, either people that are not religious at all, but believe in God, uh, maybe have a background in Christianity, but they don't, they're not religious at all, or people that are actually uh, uh, Christians, but are uh, open to the truth, uh, than finding somebody walking around saying that they're a Noahide. Uh, so my suggestion would be to see if, they, uh, if you could uh, find somebody with a similar ideology and is not a sheep that is just going to believe whatever people say to him or to her, and, uh, and try to find somebody that uh, is willing to learn and what the truth is. And there's a gym. You can make that into a spouse. If you're a man, a woman's spouse. And if, it's a, if you're a woman, then a woman's spouse. Then a man's spouse. Oh, you're a man, sorry. So, yeah, a woman. Uh, my, my dear Rabbi, why no one talks about the things that the Holy Rabbi does? <laughs> you have to ask them that. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't have more answers than I've already given to, to you guys over the years, but as we see from Tarata Kodesh by Rabbi Aaron Rata, this is not a problem unique to me. Uh, this is a problem that was uh, also, you know, in his generation. Uh, he actually writes in here in Tarata Kodesh that uh, if he would publicize what he writes in his book, but if he would publicize it in the synagogues, in the communities, in lectures, he said they would make fun of him. So, and this is literally, I mean, anyone that knows anything about Torah uh, knows the Kedusha of Rabbi Aaron Rata. but in, in his generation, you know, it's a uh, similar to now. You could be a tzaddik surrounded by Rishayim. You could be tzaddik uh, surrounded by mediocre people. You could be mediocre with a few tzaddikim next to you. There's a lot of different mix and matches all over the world. The key is to know what the truth is, to have a very strong and, uh, you know, Talmit Chacham as your rabbi, uh, to guide you, to give you answers to questions and confirm whatever uh, things that uh, you're learning, you know, the, the fact that you're learning the right way. Uh, and uh, you'll be fine. You don't need the whole world to agree with you. Remember, even Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, that we're only introduced to him in this week's parasha. Moshe Rabbeinu is beginning a life, but he's going to live an entire life full of problems, full of haters, full of people that tell him he's wrong. You know, we learn about him of how, uh, you know, he saves a, uh, a Jew uh, from being killed by an Egyptian. The very next day, that same Jew and his cousin, or his brother-in-law, which is the Tanan Aviram, they go and tell Paro that Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Egyptian, meaning the Jew that he saved his life is the same Jew that ends up causing uh, Moshe Rabbeinu to nearly be killed. 
and they continued torturing him for the next 40 years, this Datan Laviram. Uh, so it's a, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had endless fights, Korach and all of his followers, which included Datan Laviram, uh, he had that, he had, he had a lot of problems. So if Moshe Rabbeinu had people telling him he's wrong, telling him he's a womanizer, he's a thief, he, all the things that he wasn't, and cause him a lot of anguish, then of course anyone uh, that's living in the world today that uh, is fighting for the truth and has a bunch of people saying that he's crazy uh, should be proud of it. You're, you're in the same you're, you're in the same uh, conversation. You're in the same world as Moshe Rabbeinu. You're nowhere near Moshe Rabbeinu. Or you, you know, but at the point is that you're fighting in your little level the same battle that Moshe Rabbeinu fought. That's a fantastic achievement. May all of us be in that same position. Uh, that uh, we're fighting for the truth like Moshe Rabbeinu did. And as far as the Erev Rav and all of the people that uh, speak things that are the opposite of the truth, that... Also, again, that's not a new thing. En chadash tachad Hashemesh. Nothing new under the sun. Moshe Rabbeinu fought with it. And uh, of course, the, uh, those before him and those after him did the same. Avraham Avinu fought against the entire world. The entire world was on one side, Avraham Avinu was on the other side. Okay, Yaakov Avinu obviously had an endless light, uh, uh, time against fighting, whether it's a Esav or it's a uh, uh, Lavan, you know, these are wicked people. They weren't just looking to stay, steal money from him. They were full of idol worship. Uh, of course, you had uh, uh, heretics and, uh, and people tell uh, the tzaddikim that they're wrong uh, throughout all of history. All of the prophets, every single one of the prophets was telling people literally the words of God. Meaning, it's not like a just a... You, they would give lectures, they would teach... But they also literally gave prophecy, which is literally the words of God. And people called them crazy, and in some cases even you know killed them. Uh, you know they uh, you know torture them, uh, chased them, tried to you know nightmare. Whether it's Eliyahu and Avi, uh, that Isabel tried to kill him for years, uh, or it's a uh, Jeremiah that uh, they they tortured him and. Uh, uh, you know, forced, threw him into a hole, did all types of horrible things to him. Uh, Zechariah, which they murdered in cold blood. Uh, you know, they, all of the prophets, all of the prophets that literally said the words of Hashem. They didn't just teach Torah, give nice chidushim, give good insights, tell people to do tshuva. They, in addition to that, they literally said the words of God. Being a prophet means Hashem tells you something and you repeat the same thing. You're not allowed not to say it. They said the words of God, and yet the people went against them. Why? Because when people don't want to do tshuva, and they, in essence, are on a side of tum'ah, the side of impurity, they cannot let kedusha exist peacefully. They have to fight it. Because it's either they're fighting it uh, in order to, uh, uh, to... to, to get it out of their way in essence and not ruin the, uh, the tuma that they already have, or even more so, like we discussed tonight, they tried to destroy the Kedusha by making the Kedusha fall, ultimately, so they could, in essence, yearn all of the Kedusha from it and give the tuma more life, more power.
but it's a constant fight and this is something that's uh, going to continue has started since the beginning and is going to continue until Mashiach comes and many of the Chachamim uh, discuss it whether it's Rabbi Aaron Rata uh, Rabbi Chaim Ivolozhen uh, says it uh, in Evan, uh, that, that the uh, most of the uh, uh, rabbis in the generation before Mashiach are going to be Erev Rav this is Rabbi Chaim Ivolozhen it's not uh, you know uh, this is Rabbi Chaim Ivolozhen he says this uh, he says that they are uh, looking to build themselves uh, you know a name rather than to build a Torah name like the uh, people of the Tower of Babel, Livnen um, al-Shem. So, you know, it's, if you see people that everyone loves them, the Gemara itself says that's a problem. Why? If he tells people the truth, there's going to be some people that love him, there's going to be some people that hate him. Why? There's people that want to do Kedusha, want to follow the Torah, they're going to love him. People that wanna, don't want to do it, they're going to hate him. There's no way of coexisting in peace. So if everyone loves him, there's a problem. There's a problem. Now if everybody hates him, it's also a problem. Because why does everybody hate him? It's, it's extreme. So it has to be, uh, has to be a, you know, a uh, sum of both. Okay, let's see what we, our friends at TikTok have to say. People are repeating the same thing over and over again. All right, just wasting too much time. Just a couple of people. Rabbi, how to convert? Okay, I've answered this question many times, so I'll give you a very short version of it. Uh, in order to convert to Judaism, one of the main things that a person needs to do is to move to a Jewish community so they're surrounded by Jews, they could go to a Orthodox synagogue and uh, learn Torah, uh, learn how to live like a Jew. Uh, you could, uh, as far as what to learn, uh, we have a uh, syllabus on our website, bezatashem.org, uh, that you could download for free, or if you want, you could email us uh, at uh, convert at bezatashem.org. That's uh, convert, C-O-N-V-E-R-T, at B-E-E-Z-R-A-T-H-A-S-H-E-M.org. Uh, and um, if you didn't get that, just send me a 
you know, a message and I'll send you the email. You can email us over there and we'll send you the syllabus. The syllabus has, it's an interactive syllabus where first it tells you the different topics you need to learn. It gives you a uh, list of uh, book recommendations where if you click on the pictures of the books, it'll take you to different stores online that sell them. Of course, you could buy them you know, elsewhere if you want. Uh, it also uh, gives you a, um, a picture of a playlist of uh, different lectures that I did about the topic. Uh, one of them being a four-part lecture that goes through all of the details of uh, what you have to do in order to convert. Uh, and once you have that, that's the basic instructions. Now, the main thing is, is that there, you, know, you have to have not just live in a Jewish community, not just learn the information, but you have to have a uh, rabbi... Uh, sponsor you to take you to a bed din which is a jewish court uh jewish uh, uh religious court uh that is recognized by the rabbinut that is going to convert you conversion in judaism takes time it's not like christianity or islam where they throw some water on you or they give you some type of bomb and you become uh, one of them no in, in judaism it's we have to see that you actually can live and uh, want to live uh the life of a jew uh, and uh, that can take time. It could take anywhere from uh, six months to 60 years. <laughs> it depends on you. Usually most people uh, that go through conversion, it takes them a couple of years. That's usually the average. Some people more, some people less. Um, but, you know, a lot of people say, no, I've been in conversion for uh, seven years because they calculate time that they first discovered the Torah or they first started learning Shua Torah, they considered that as part of their time that they started converting, but it's not really true. Either way, the point is, is that don't put a clock on it of how fast you could convert. The key is to uh, know, make the decisions for the right reason, do it the right way, and by that time, you'll succeed. But uh, as far as conversion, there's, uh, it's certainly possible for anyone that wants to convert, to convert today, as long as they're able to live in a Jewish community and learn uh, the appropriate amount of uh, Torah and apply that to their life. Uh, but if a person wants to uh, live like a secular person, but yet uh, you know uh, have some certificate that says that they're Jewish, they don't need to do anything I just said. They could just go to the computer, type it on uh, on a computer, and then print it out and put it on the wall and make themselves feel good. But if you want to live like a Jew, you'll have to make some major life adjustments. Who is this monkey that uh, keeps insulting Tomida Chavim? It's really uh, very strange. Somebody just came online just to insult Tomida Chavim. Like, you do realize that the Gemara says that anyone that's a mevazet Tomida Chavim and trufale makato, there's literally no cure to the punishment you're going to get for doing that. Like you're gonna suffer endlessly in this world. Okay, I don't, I don't know why you would do that to yourself. It's just... very strange. Okay, let's see. Do we have any more? I think we've already done everything. Can you bring me a source that Yechia Dunenu Moenu Lubavitcher Mashiach is against Allah? 
is it uh, against? Is it considered kfira? No, to say Yechia Adonenu is not necessarily uh, kfira, but it's certainly not accepted among Klal Yisrael. Uh, uh, the only people that do it are hardcore Lubavitchers, Chabadniks. Nobody else does it. Uh, not just about the Lubavitch Rebbe, but about anyone. You don't see the Sephardics, uh, hardcore Talmidei Chachamim of Rav Ovadia, uh, say Yechia Adonenu. Uh, you don't see the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Satmer, Keila say Yechia uh, Donenu. You don't, you don't see it anywhere throughout all of history. So it's, it's just not part of our Masoet. It's not accepted among anybody else except Chabadniks. So if they want to be different, they want to do what they want, they can do it. But it's, it's certainly not a uh, appropriate. Now, as far as saying that he is uh, uh, Mashiach. Uh, it's it's not considered kfira. It's considered wrong, because he doesn't match the uh, the proper things for being Mashiach. Uh, one of them is that he would have to stop all the wars. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we are in the middle of a war right now. Uh, he would have to uh, build a bet mikdash. Not sure if you've noticed. We don't have a bet mikdash, so he doesn't fit the description of being Mashiach to say the least. Uh, and it's not just because he died; simply everything else. He didn't, you know. It's 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 a lehavdil, but it's like saying Yoshke is a Mashiach when he didn't fulfill anything. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, but the uh, point is that to say Mashiach is simply wrong. It's not considered heresy; it's just wrong. Now to say that he's alive, like literally, physically alive, like you know, they they uh, some of them say where they believe that he's still you know, comes to every bar mitzvah and he's giving people blessings and they pretend like he's pouring the wine into people's cups or he's giving dollars to people like I have in the video uh, that we made several years ago. That's not heresy. That's not a... Uh, uh, um, um, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not heresy. That is mental institution. That's mental institution. That's people that need to go to a institution uh i would even recommend get one of those cool jackets in white you know that like it ties around the body and just make sure it's tight like really really tight um and uh you know take a few of those little candies they give you over there take a few of those candies and that's it because all you're doing is you're reminding am israel of the famous joke where you know, one guy comes to the mental institution and, uh, you know, he sees the first guy. He's a, uh, I am uh, Avraham Avinu. Okay. Next guy says, I am Moshe Rabenu. Okay. And next guy he says, I am David Amelech. Okay, fine. And then he says, one guy, doesn't say anything. Looks at him, gets closer. Then the guy looks at him and he goes, I am Mashiach. But as soon as he says it, Pah, somebody hits him. And it's what happened? He says, I'm Mashiach. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. It's your turn today. It's your turn today. You know, so it's like a joke like that. It's like, it's like saying that he's alive. That's where they should go. They should go to those types of places. Um... Now, they may want, they may want to bring the other Chabadniks with them, 
which actually even upgraded the crazy and said that he's God. You know, they're called Elokistim. Elokistim. So they're not that much crazier. Don't think for a second, they're not that much crazier. Because, by the way, as a side note, even in, you know, Chabadniks have told me this, that the people that call a Mashiach, it's the same thing like the Christians that are call themselves Messianic Jews, that they call Jesus Mashiach. It's the same thing, meaning they both think that Mashiach means God. Many Chabadniks think that the Rebbe became God. And this is, there's an article about it online. There are people on the inside that have told me this. This is not a, a conspiracy. So that's why it's, again, we assume that when they say Mashiach, they don't really mean God. We're hoping because that would, that would be kfira. That would be idol worship. That would be the worst thing in the world. We're just assuming that it's just simply wrong. You know, uh, uh, some of, uh, some of Gdolei uh, Israel have said, you know, stay away from them. Don't support them. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and some don't even count them in Minyan. But again, let's just be on the lenient side and say that calling him a Shiach is simply wrong. No problem. Saying he's alive, that's just simply crazy. Why? Your eyes. See. The guy that's giving the dollars is a 25-year-old kid. It's not him. And it changes every day. The guy that's pouring the wine is not him. It's somebody else. They say that he's in a, he comes to bar, bar Mitzvah. He doesn't feel good today. That's mentally ill people. Those are mentally ill people. Same thing like the people that think he's God. They're mentally ill people. They should go to a nice hospital. You know, don't call it a hospital, though. Call it uh, where they'll find other like-minded people. Put them all there. Put a nice jacket on them in white. If they want to put it black and white so they can feel at home, they could do that, too. Give them a couple of those candies. And, uh, you know, they could do whatever they want in those where they're not a danger to society. Um, that, I think, is a good idea. I think it's a perfectly good idea. I would, you know, I would, I would highly recommend it. I actually even think you could even start a campaign for it. Raise the money to, to, uh, to, to get those people to go there, by all means. I don't think, I don't think that you'll have a, t- a tough time raising the money for that. I think that uh, many people will be uh, happy to do it. Mental institutions are very important places. Aye, aye, aye. Here we go. All right, last question we're going to take. We're finished. Uh, oh, well, you guys have more questions. No, okay, two questions. That's it. Uh, okay. Uh, when Hashem did wonders for the Jews, does it take away from their merit like when he does miracles for an individual? Yes, the Gemara says uh, that's one of the things that uh, Yaakov Avinu uh, said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Katonti mikol hachasadim mikol haemet, that, uh, you know, although that... Uh, You've done all this greatness for me, and uh, you know, and uh, I'm afraid that I don't have any. Uh, I've spent all of my merits that I won't have any more merits to uh, for Olam Abba or, or even for you to help me here. So that's what uh, Yaakov is afraid of. Uh, but certainly, when a person uh, gets uh, you know miracles in this world, uh, he, uh, it's taken from his Olam Abba. That's why uh, the Gemara in Vasechet Tanit has. Uh, 
probably two, three dapim, uh, talks about uh, stories about Rabbi Hanina, uh, maybe two dapim, uh, talks about stories of Rabbi Hanina, and one of the stories that uh, Kadosh Baruch Hu, uh, uh, answered his prayers for Parnassah, and he put a, uh, a leg of a table that was complete gold, uh, came down from Shemaim, but uh, you know, Rabbi Hanina and his wife gave it back because they didn't want to uh, this miracle to, in essence, take away from their olava. So it's a known thing that a person uh, can uh, lose from, uh, from, from that. But there are exceptions. There are exceptions, which is a person uses that miracle to sanctify Kadosh Buhu's name uh, and, uh, and a few other things. But uh, generally speaking, it does take away from the olava. When will Edom be completely destroyed? Uh, when uh, Mashiach comes. If a girl is single and actively looking to get married and start a family, what more can you recommend that she may do to have children and bring a blessing to our life? Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of this year, I think that this year is of utmost importance for a woman to achieve Kedusha, to be completely modest. Uh, I think that a woman needs to work on her midot as far as to uh, do you know work on character traits? Not be arrogant, not be picky, uh, not look for you know not uh, fight with people. Look for peace. Uh, certainly, I, I think uh, you know the the greatest uh, blessing uh, that uh, I've ever seen, as far as uh, you know, in the name of the sages like the Chovot Alevavot writes uh, Rabbi Nubachia from nearly a thousand years ago writes that. Uh, a person that does kiruv, that helps do outreach to help Jews do tshuva, uh, is a uh, will be at the highest possible level of you know of blessings and so on. So, I think that a woman that uh, wants to uh, build a Jewish home where she'll have a holy husband and you know and holy children, the greatest thing that a man or a woman can do is combine the two teachings. Not only do kiruv, but do kiruv specifically with tikkun because we saw at least a little bit what we learned today about how important Kedusha is and how many blessings a person gets. And we also know already how important Kiruv is. And that's why I know that if somebody spends their time, money, effort, whatever they can do, literally, major sacrifice, push themselves to the limit to get the teachings of Kedusha, of Tikkun Abrit, out there on a regular basis. Every day they put a certain amount of time. Every check they put a certain amount of money, at least the Maaser that they have, if not more. Uh, in so many words, the more they exert themselves, the more they will get in return. Uh, and uh, and I've seen, I've seen Baruch Hashem, a lot of blessings from it uh, personally. I've seen a lot of blessings from it from people that have done it. Um, and uh, because Kiruv is a major source of blessings more than uh, anything else. Uh, Kedusha is the most critical topic to do Kiruvan. Combine the two, there's nobody better than you. And uh, you could literally be a, uh, someone that is publicizing uh, you know, the foundation of Judaism uh, that could not only serve to be a tikkun for you, uh, if you've ever made any mistakes as far as immorality or immodesty or anything else, but it could also be the perfect tikkun that brings all the blessings that uh, are waiting, waiting for you. And I would make this the top priority that you have more than anything else, more than feeding the poor, more than uh, really anything else. 
uh, you know, but again, it requires major sacrifice. It's, it's not like, oh, if I send, if I send $5 a week out of my $1,000 check, is that okay? No. It has to be sacrifice. It has to hurt. It has to be an extra effort. Um, it's a, uh, that's, that's in essence the, uh, why it's called, part of the reason why it's called a tikkun. You know, a tikkun is, is not, it's not a uh, pleasing process. But I can assure you that there's no doubt in my mind, and the Torah promises it, that the blessings come. When? I don't know. That's obviously HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides the time. But anyone that makes Kiruv of Tikkun Abrit their top priority in their life, where they're involved in it some, some form or another, you know, on a regular basis, daily, hourly, minute, wow, weekly, whatever it is, every time they get a check, every time, whatever it is, they, they, they make it like their top priority, there's no doubt in my mind that you'll have endless blessings. But again, don't give a sham a schedule as far as, oh, I'm going to do this for uh, uh, three and a half months, and then I don't give a sham a schedule. Don't tell them what to do. Do your job, you do it, I guarantee that you'll see major blessings beyond what you're requesting. Beyond anything, whatever it is that anyone's requesting, that's a normal request, beyond it. Why? Because the, uh, the blessings that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has waiting for us are 500 times more powerful than any punishment can be. And we've already heard how horrible some of these punishments are. We've already heard how horrible the punishments are. Anyone that saw Chibut Kever, the film that we made, or watch the lecture of Tikkun Abrit, or the film of Tikkun Abrit, or watch the lecture of uh, Kafakela that we made for four hours during Sukkot, uh, or Oshana uh, uh, um, Rabbah, uh, or watch the film Geinom, or simply has watched, you know, any lectures that we've made over the years that has talked about reward and punishment, we understand punishment, difficult. The blessings that Hashem has are 500 times more. 500 times more. So, when we have our sages tell us, there's nothing greater to do than Kiruv. And on top of it, there's nothing greater than the subject of Kedusha. Because it brings literally every single blessing you could possibly imagine. And again, I cannot emphasize, I cannot emphasize that I feel bad for all of you that do not know what's in this book. You know a little bit tonight, so you got a little taste of it, Baruch Hashem. But, we'll learn. And, and it's, 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 it's really astounding how many blessings are available to us from HaKadosh Baruch Hu for simply doing this. It explains a lot of things about my life, I can tell you that. It explains a lot of things about Baruch Hashem, Ishtabach Shimolad. I don't know what merit I had to... to, to to, to, to have this as one of the top things that my neshama is connected to from day one. But I can tell you that uh, uh, this is something that is of utmost importance for you, whoever you is, male, female, young, old, single, married, and also Klal Yisrael, and needless to say, the world as well. Anyone that does it, I think that they, they, they're, they're already a winner, winner on day one. Anyone that wants to know more details about Tikkunim, go to uh, tikkunabrit.live. That's T-I-K-K-U-N-H-A-B-R-I-T dot L-I-V-E. Over there, there's a write-up. 
of how the tikkunim work for different sins. Uh, again, you want to do it, by all means. You don't want to do it, don't do it. Everybody has the free choice to do what they want. But at least the information is there. And of course, we have many lectures about these topics. You could all watch it, learn, and Bezal Hashem apply. Thank you very much for learning with me. May HaKadosh bless each and every single one of you that uh, is going to have success in achieving Kedusha, publicizing Kedusha, and uh, sanctifying HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name once you see the blessings that come from it. Thanks again for learning with me. Hashem. We'll uh, learn again next week. Kol Tuf. asked him what can we do to protect ourselves from Chavrei Mashiach. He says, Torah and Gmilut Chasadim. Even if somebody does a, a nice thing or learns a lot or anything like that, it's never compared to bringing one of Hashem's lost kids that's been lost for the last 3,000 years back home. One of the beautiful things that we have in our organization is that we have both Torah and Zikui Rabin because we have our kolels, we have our avrachim, and we also have our cube that we do around the world. Our lectures reach every corner of the world, Baruch Hashem, in multiple languages, but of course, we always want to do even more. while we have Kiruv work that we've done throughout the whole year, we also have the Torah that we're constantly producing more and more of, and last but not least, the uh, Chesed to feed the poor people in Israel. A very special thank you to all our amazing guests who show real Avat Yisrael by taking the time out of their busy schedule and sharing their ups and downs with us, all for the sake of Avat Yisrael. Yirgun Be'ezrat Hashem, Olech Lechalek, Me'ot Saleh Mazon, 
בכל רחבי הארץ. One of the big things that we have, aside from this campaign, you probably see this post or something similar to it, is also we published some of the recent results that we have, or at least up to now, of the organization. And one of the reasons why we do this each year is because we want to make sure that our partners, our donors, our Talmidim, know where their money is going. Unlike everybody else that, you know, uh, says a lot, does a lot, we want to show you what these results are. I can tell you from my experience and a little bit of knowledge about the whole Torah world, I don't know of anybody else, uh, any other organization on planet Earth that produces dollar for dollar what we produce over these last few years. This is nothing to be arrogant about. It's simply Siyat Bishmaya Kadosh Baruch who helped us. We made every sacrifice that we can possibly make in order to, ha- to make it happen. Producing nearly 300 films, publishing 32 books, our own books, giving out 154,000 books for free. Giving out 154,000 books is not a cheap endeavor. Anyone that wants to do such a thing has to be completely committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to His children, and most importantly, to have bitachon in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His Torah. We also have fed over 160,000 people over these last several years. Each year, during Pesach, the high holidays, throughout the year, we help a lot of people eat, help make sure that they have groceries, food, all types of things, and uh, you guys have seen many of the videos that are uh, that we've produced over the years to actually show you the people that are getting this food. You have here 160,000 people have eaten, nearly 300 Torah films, and then on top of all of it, we have 1.4 million USB CDs and cards that have been given out for free. All of the work that we've done over the last 10 years on these USBs given out for free. Last but not least, 12,000 video and audio lectures available online in about 14 different languages for the world to watch for free. <laughs> ארגון בעזרת השם לקח על עצמו את אחת המטרות הקשות ביותר בדור שלנו. לתקן עולם במלכות שדי. לא להסתפק במשהו אחד, לעזור רק לאנשים מסכנים, רק לאנשים ניצולי שואה, רק לאנשים שלא מכירים את אלוקים, רק לאנשים שאין להם כלום בבית, אלא לעזור לכלל ישראל בכל מכל. וברוך השם, חפץ השם בידינו הצליח למעלה ממיליון יהודים ויהודיות נעזרו על ידי ארגונים בעזרת השם. רק תדמיינו לכם איזה עוצמה היה לכל אחד ואחת מהשותפים שזכו להיות כל אחד כפי כוחו ויכולתו, לאיזה תוצאות הצליחו להגיע ולאיזה תוצאות עוד יצליחו. פורים שמח על לראות את השלטים, נעלה עכשיו למעלה, כמו קצת האש, את הלימוד. ברוכים הבאים, אפשר לראות כאן. כולם יושבים לומדים, איזה רעש של תורה, איזה רעש, איזה רעש, הנה יש פה עוד בית מדרש, וגם פה יש, השם הכל עמוס. הדמיון הזה הוא לא דמיון כל כך רחוק, כי כמו שהתורה אומרת, בפיך ובלבבך לעשותו, ככה גם בדבר הזה. כל מי שירצה, כל מי שרוצה או רוצה להיות שותפים איתנו, עם הארגון הקדוש והנפלא הזה, שכל כוונתו לשם שמיים, להגדיל תורה ולהאדירה, להרים קרן התורה, לעזור לכל אחד ואחד מעם ישראל, בכל העניינים. כל המישורים, מהילד הכי קטן שצריך מטרנה וטיטולים, עד האיש הכי 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 מבוגר 
שלעולם לא הניח תפילין, ורגע לפני המוות דואגים להניח לו תפילין. אם גם אתם רוצים להיות שותפים בכאלה דברים גדולים, בעשייה של תורה ועבודה וגמילות חסדים, ברוך השם, ארגון בעזרת השם, כאן, לצדכם, לשירותכם, יחד עם כלל ישראל. כמעט מיליון וחצי דיסקים ויסקונקים שחילקנו, כל הדברים האלה בחינם, יותר מ-12 אלף שיעורים, אז כל הדברים האלה, מתי שבן אדם רואה כמה ההשקעה שלו, אם זה בבתים, מניות, בכל מיני דברים, והוא רואה שהמניה עלתה 10% במקום אחד ו-1,000% במקום שני, אז הוא מבין איפה להשקיע פעם הבאה. ואותו דבר פה, יש הרבה אנשים שברוך השם צופים את השיעורים שלנו, שיעורים של הרב אפרים, שיעורים של הרב שרביט, ושאר הרבנים בארגון, ועכשיו זה הזמן להיות שותפים בדבר הגדול שאנחנו עושים ברוך השם. an indication of what we can do in the future. So this is the time where we need as much of your help as possible to push yourself more than you typically do. If you typically donate a couple hundred dollars, donate a thousand. If you, uh, if you could afford uh, the uh, uh, $8,000, $15,000, $50,000, whatever you could afford, this is the time to do it because this is going to be the help that we have to help all of these Avachim, to feed these people and perhaps Bezat Hashem one day to get that building that we've been uh, wanting to, uh, to build here in, uh, in the United States to build a community. But the, all of these things require millions of dollars. If not now, then when?